I'm so glad you've made it to East City Wesleyan's podcast uh, page. Uh, my name's Brett Jones. I'm the lead pastor here at East City Wesleyan. Uh, if you would like to find out anything more about uh, who we are and uh, how we're trying to learn to grow closer to God and serve our community, uh, you'd be welcome to get in touch with us at the contact details on the page. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and, and see how we can serve you. Well, uh, in this series, uh, Life on Mission, we've been taking the opportunity to hear some of the stories of mission from people within our congregation. I'll come in a bit closer. Um, and uh, last Sunday, I thought, who should I, who should I ask? Because this week, our, our topic is, what does it look like to be spirit-led in this life of mission that we're on? So I asked the Holy Spirit who I should ask. And he said, ask Gaylene. And she said... Probably not. (laughs) But leave it with me. So I left it with her, and guess what happened? Holy Spirit said, yeah, you you could be part of this. So so here we are, and uh, thanks so much for saying yes. I know you love being in the spotlight, and that this is totally up your alley, but we really appreciate it. You're you're amongst family, and we just want to hear um, a little bit from your life, and having had the chance to talk with you, I'm pretty sure we'll uh, we'll be um, blessed by it. But I think it is, um, I think the truth is that it is, it is daunting, or even, I think, maybe something that we're doubtful about, that, um, that God might actually work through us. And so I wonder if you could share with us what, what your experience of, is of awakening to the Spirit uh, working in and through you. I was, um, well, I became a Christian in my 30s. And I knew nothing of the Holy Spirit until I went to a Life in the Spirit seminar. And I guess, um, yeah, God just revealed the Holy Spirit to me and what he could do in my life. Um, After that, our neighbors had fostered a seven-year-old girl, just short term. And um, they were trying to find a longer term placement for her. And I just felt my heart stirring, and I thought, no, I just couldn't do that. I had two kids, I was working part-time, and I didn't have the skills to be able to be a foster parent. So soon after that, Dave actually went up to visit these um, people, like the family, and when he came back, the very first thing he said to me was, do you know what, I think we would have Susie come and live with us. (laughs) Well... Um, I knew that that was God's call um, for us to go into fostering. And there were some really, really um, great moments, but there were challenges, lots of challenges. And the Holy Spirit was with us, and he just went before us, and he came up with the solutions that we would not have even thought possible. So that was one season in my life that, yeah, I wanted to share with you. It's so great that the Holy Spirit really worked through both of you in different ways, and in the way that you heard it, and then Dave heard it, and and then that was confirmation for you, and yeah, yeah, really wonderful process. And we hadn't talked about it. That's the thing that we just couldn't really believe, I guess, that he came and said that, and then I could say, really, Um, and that's how, how it went, yeah. So I wonder if you can um, share with us, you know, maybe a time where um, 
God really showed up in a, in a, in a mission context, in a mission moment uh, for you that, that demonstrated to you conclusively that he is working through you. I like to talk about the small, still voice. And one night, I was sitting on my couch, um, minding my own business, and I heard, um, it was like a thought came into my head, go outside. And so then I sort of just get like a little flutter in my chest. And so I went outside, and to my total surprise, my teenage um, neighbour, who has anorexia, was actually huddled in the dark under the pine tree in the corner of our section. So I brought her inside, and the first thing that I did was encourage her to phone her parents and say, look, I'm safe, because she'd just left home and she hadn't told anybody. So I took her, um, well, sat her down at that point, and um, talked to her, and prayed with her. Um, and the, um, the Holy Spirit brought up um, my experience of having been healed from an eating disorder. So God used me in an amazing way that night. Anyway, um, when she was up to it, she sort of went home. And, you know, five years later... I got um, an invitation to Philippa's 21st. And um, during her birthday speech, she thanked me for taking her um, in that, that night. And she said, you know, that encounter was what encouraged me um, to give my heart to the Lord. And I had no idea, absolutely no idea. So what the Holy Spirit said to you was, go outside. Go outside. You know, I said to Dave, I'm just popping out. Um, you know, it was just sort of, yeah it, yeah, it was just not going, you know, doing anything or anything. In fact, I was probably watching TV, who knows, knowing me. Mm. Um, yeah, so it was, it was quite miraculous. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think all of us are on this journey of wanting to be more open to the spirit, be more confident. If, if someone was uh, here today and was sort of unsure, you know, whether the Holy Spirit was, was leading them, what would, what would some of your advice be around just taking a step forward? Um, well, over the past year, um, I have learned to uh, be open and be expectant. Yeah, so at this point, that's what I'd say, because that's what I'm hearing. Do you, is, I mean, does this come easy to you? Um, no, it yeah. doesn't come easy. And um, just recently, I've sort of been a lot more open to the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And um, I've actually been in a really, really nice situation of going along to a weekly um, experience, I guess, where um, everyone has sort of just prayed for across the room, and like the Holy Spirit just is there, and, you know, in this service, um, the Holy Spirit is here, and I think it's really just being open is probably what I would, um, yeah, think is 
I've, I've really learned a lot over the last year, perhaps, about that. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being open enough to at least not say no for the whole week, <laughs> uh, for saying yes to this morning. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that there'll be people who are sitting there going, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like to just, in very simple and small ways, um, be, be yeah. obedient. Well, it's a pleasure. And um, I can tell you the story about why I said yes to Brett at the very last minute on Friday. <laughs> yeah, so uh, over lunch, uh, you have an opportunity to hit Gaylene up and find out uh, what that's all about. Can we pray for you? Uh, in a minute, Judy's going to come and uh, read the scriptures, but uh, let's just pray for Gaylene. Uh, Father God, we're so grateful that um, you have called Gaylene by name and that you have, over a lifetime, just been working uh, in her heart uh, and that you continue to do that. Uh, God, we're thankful for her transparency, for her honesty, for her authenticity with us this morning. God, would you continue to bless her as she seeks to be a blessing to others? Would you continue to um, open yourself to her as she uh, opens herself to, to you? And would you do that for each one of us? Uh, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. The reading this morning is from Acts 13, verses 4 to 12. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogue. John was with them as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elamas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elamas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. May God bless this reading of his word. Do you know this is the 12th week since, uh, since I joined you all? In a real job, this, this, they do an assessment and they decide whether they're going to keep you on or not. <laughs> but everyone just keeps saying to me, we'll see you next Sunday, so I just keep showing up. The last time um, I heard that passage read, uh, and this has been a really kind of funny series because actually Joey did the first cut on all of the scriptures that we were going to we look at. So last week I preached on something I've never preached on before, which was... Really fun to do. Um, but I've, I've been a part of a church service where this passage was, was preached. Um, the last time I heard it preached was in September last year. 
And uh, I was, um, Session Community was at the end of a series, believe it or not, on living missionally. Funny, eh? And the preacher that night was, was speaking into this dynamic of being sent out of the local church community into new settings, whether they would be local or, in particular, whether they might be global. Now, this would not have normally been something um, out of the ordinary, except I was not the preacher that night. And Kristen and I were in the midst of discerning a call that would see us sent out of the local church community into a new setting. That's here, in case you're... And the context of the message was a really good message. The context of the message was how the identity of the church at Antioch um, shaped its perspective and its readiness to, to go on mission, uh, to, do, to do things, rather than the other way around, you know, where our doing shapes our identity. Their identity was being shaped by the Spirit and by the Scriptures. And they had some really good um, DNA at, at Antioch to be a, to be a sending church, because they'd already received Barnabas, uh, if you read back in Acts 11, uh, who'd been sent to them by the, the church at Jerusalem. And uh, Barnabas then went in search of Paul, found him in Tarsus, and then they double teamed uh, with some others as a teaching team at Antioch for a year. So you can, you can imagine the impact they made together. But you can also imagine that Paul's uh, presence there in Antioch, would have needed some explanation to the search committee. The spread of Christianity to, to Antioch was, was largely caused by the dispersion uh, of believers uh, from Jerusalem and surrounding parts of Israel that followed the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7. And who, who was at that event, the stoning of Stephen, holding coats and triggering a massive persecution. Well, it was Saul who became Paul. So he had some, his CV had some issues when it came time for him to be considered by the church at Antioch. And most of his referees weren't taking calls, has to be said. So by the time we get to Acts 13, this ministry is going really, really well. It turns out Paul is a good hire, better than good. He's doing an amazing job. The church is growing. And the possibility that he and Barnabas might now be called into something new is not something that anybody wanted. And so in this message that I was a part of at, at session back in September last year, the preacher, in order to try to, to transport the congregation at session into that moment that the church at Antioch had of surrender, almost disbelief that, 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 might, that, that might be happening, and really owning the DNA of being ascending church, the preacher asked us all a question. And this is the question. How would you fill in this blank? Here's the, here's the sentence. I can't imagine ministry here at Session Community if fill in the blank for you, was released? An innocent question. Very appropriately driven by the text, I thought. 
but completely shocking. If you're sitting in the congregation discerning a fresh call to a new setting and you know that you're the flight risk. Kristen and I were sitting a couple of meters apart at a table and, and we knew without looking at each other that neither of us was going to make eye contact. Just, just, just no way we were going to look at each other. Did the preacher know something? Had there been some loose lips in the search committee? Was, was the word getting out? Was anyone looking at us? Much later, there were some different questions. How how did that moment of spirit-led preaching shape the church for what was coming? How did it shape us, who are in the midst of the process of being sent, apart from completely freaking out? This is the activity of the Holy Spirit, who shapes shapes us for mission and prepares us for mission and walks with us into mission. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you open us? Would you create expectation in us that we might hear from you today? And that we might be changed because we have prayed this prayer and opened our hearts to you. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know for sure whether it was a surprise that day, um, a complete surprise that day when the Holy Spirit spoke to the church and at Antioch and asked them to you know, set apart Barnabas and, and Saul. I don't know if there'd been you know, discussion about strategic opportunities in the region uh, or maybe even some kind of personal revelation to Barnabas and Paul. But what the text makes really clear is it was the Holy Spirit who was setting the agenda for the church and setting the agenda for Paul and Barnabas. He was calling them by name. It wasn't a strategic plan meeting. It, it was, he was calling them by name. While they were worshipping the Lord, verse 2 says, uh, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so what's clear is the posture of this church. Uh, When this call comes, they were worshipping the Lord and they were fasting. In other words, the posture of the church was towards surrender. It was this open-handed kind of living, this expectation of seeing and hearing uh, from the Lord. I even think that the Holy Spirit was able to call them by name because they were listening. They were already in that place of listening. listening. And the text is quite economical, just a couple of short sentences, um, but it carries with it the sense that they heard and they obeyed. It wasn't too much hesitation or second guessing. I've got to be honest, I wish I was a bit more like Paul and Barnabas in that. I've often needed extra help from the Holy Spirit. I remember when Kristen and I first met, we had very different reactions uh, to seeing each other for the first time. Uh, My reaction was, wow. Her reaction was, he's a little bit short, Lord. (laughs) And so 
Clearly, what was needed in this situation is I needed help from the Holy Spirit. And what happened was, is the previous night when Kristen was driving home from seeing family and and feeling sad that she, as the oldest grandchild, was still unmarried with no prospects in sight. (laughs) That the Lord spoke to her in her car and said, Brett Jones is coming tomorrow. (laughs) Apparently I needed help. (laughs) I didn't think I did, but apparently I did. And and our posture in our marriage is always to be as open um, as as we can and expectant that God will speak and call. And and the great example in my life is is a woman who was prepared to go on mission as part of being married. She moved country so that she could be part of a church plant um, that ECW was launching at that time. And and over the years, we've been headhunted to do things like to uh, church plants in the U.S., um, we used to try to give um, session community away. We did that at least a couple of times, trying to see whether um, new leaders coming through would take over so that we could go and plant again. Um, and, this time, and this time around, when ECW started advertising, um, like these other times, we asked the Lord, is it us? And we felt the answer was no. Um, until the Holy Spirit came calling. And it turned out that he decided on what's known in theological circles as the sledgehammer approach. <laughs> because remember, I need extra help. I need special help from the Holy Spirit. And what happened uh, was that on, on a Tuesday, I received a phone call from one of our pastors. And he said, I was praying for you this morning. And I thought, the thought came into my mind that you should apply for the East City Wesleyan role. And I was like, I mean, he said he prayed, so I at least listened. But he would have said it even if he didn't pray, right? So I was like, you know, that's, a, that's the kind of thing I'd expect you to say. But I will, I will reflect on it. I will take it seriously. Well, I didn't even have time to do that. The next day, Wednesday, I get this email in my inbox from one of my prayer team. Now, this woman, I I don't really know her very well. She's a very prayerful person. Um, Whenever we go to conferences, she prays for Kristen Nye. So it seemed like she was a really good person to be um, on our prayer team. Not not really that well connected to the the politics of the church, just someone who would pray. She emailed me, she said, I was praying for you this morning, and I felt to ask, have you thought about applying for the role at East City Wesleyan? I'm like, you can't just say that. Like, I need to know, was there a scripture? What, are you feeling like the Lord wants us to apply? Like, what? No, no, I just felt like I needed to ask you the question, have you considered it? Of course I've considered it. That was Wednesday. Thursday. Because remember, I need, I need special help from the Holy Spirit. A third person, someone much closer to ECW, well, I always thought that you, you would be right for this, but you said no, so I've respected that. I've discovered recently that I have a lot more Irish blood in me than I realized, more Irish DNA. It's, I'm, I'm being deadly serious, like 26%, a lot more than I should have. So I think God wanted to give me three hits 
to be sure, to be sure, to be sure. <laughs> See, the Holy Spirit calls us by name. Each of us. Some of us might be like Paul and Barnabas. And we get straight to it. Some of us might need three times or a week to hear that God calls us by name. But he's calling you. And he's calling me. And he does that in, in, in the context of, of our surrender, of our worship, of our saying, God, I'm open. I'm open. Where might you take me? Well, once the uh, Holy Spirit called, things moved really quickly for Paul and um, Barnabas. But there is an interesting little process, some steps that we see playing out here in the passage. Uh, first, the disciples are worshipping and fasting, so that's the starting point, this posture of, of surrender and expectation. Then the Holy Spirit speaks and asks, asks the church to set apart Paul and Barnabas. But then comes the actual setting apart bit in verse 3. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here's the thing about being set apart. In order to be set apart, in order to say yes to something, you have to first say no to some other things. And so here we see again this posture of surrender, of fasting and prayer as that, that precedes them being set apart. We see this laying down, a, a, a surrender, a no to life as it has been for Paul and Barnabas and a yes to what God is doing. And the truth is, this is a daily thing, I think. I think it's also a seasonal thing you know, that happens for us. It's a lifelong thing uh, in many ways. Saying no to what might prevent us from saying yes. That's what it means to be set apart. For Paul and Barnabas, it, mean, it meant saying no to a pretty successful ministry in one of the largest and most influential cities in the Roman world. Some would say it was, it was the third most influential Roman city after Roman Alexandria. That's how big Antioch was. For us, <laughs> in our process... And reeling a little from the three days in a row sledgehammer blow, it looked like also being called to prayer. Because it was a very uncomfortable thing that God started. And so we did what seemed the most natural thing, is we called Kristen's parents, who've been through many transitions in ministry, Chris and Marsha, and we said, will you pray with us in this season? Will you just pray with us? And that's what we did. We just prayed. And over that period, the sense of, of panic, the sense of what about, the sense of, God, you're, you're stirring something that I'm not sure that you should be. The Holy Spirit created what he often does when we seek him. He just simply created peace. And said one word. Wait. 
Don't go rushing off and start finishing up there at session. Don't go rushing forward and, and start trying to lay a pathway to ECW. Just, just wait. And I'm, I'll let you in on a little secret. No one knows this. I'm actually quite an impatient person. <laughs> I'm just in the spirit of like being honest, you know, so you know that now. But I found it remarkably easy to wait because it was a waiting that was empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit. And so we see the presence of the Holy Spirit in this, in this, um, in this active setting apart that is happening. And interestingly, in verse 4, when they do head off, the two of them uh, were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. These key verses, they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. And that was also our experience of the, of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gently preparing our heart for the no that precedes the yes. The no to the current season that allows the new season, the ending of an of a existing season that a new one might, might emerge. See, it's not just that the Holy Spirit calls you and me by name. The Holy Spirit sets each one of us apart for mission. It's interesting when you're looking at kind of graphics that you could use and you put in set apart uh, and, you, and you look for images of set apart. What, what it tends to show is images of one person being set apart and the crowd all sitting there watching. I think it's the other way. I think it's the crowd that are being set apart. Each of us are being set apart. It's all of us. In fact, it's the exception that God is not setting you apart. He is. He's not only calling each one of us by name. He's setting each one of us apart uh, to be on mission with us. Prepares us. Goes before us. Journeys with us. This is what it means for us to be set apart. Well, it's really interesting to me what happens to Paul and Barnabas, because it's not just that they leave Antioch, this amazing city. They end up going to Cyprus. So it's like going to Stewart Island, you know, leaving. Perhaps, perhaps it's a little unfair to Cyprus. And most of the journey is captured in these six words. They traveled through the whole island. <laughs> so a lot packed into those six words. But, but Luke uh, is saving himself for the big moment, the big reveal. Because one can assume that tourism you know, wasn't the focus. Um, and, and Luke really uh, chooses this final episode at Parfus as the, as the high point. And, and I think with really good reason. Because they meet this sorcerer, a Jewish sorcerer, a, a, a prophet, with the interesting name Bar-Jesus, can mean son of Jesus, son of Joshua, probably, in the Aramaic. And uh, interesting that they meet him first, because he's somebody that's an attendant, like a consultant, if you like, uh, for the Roman proconsul uh, Sergius Paulus. And so they get to, to meet this proconsul, who's by all accounts an intelligent uh, person, who wants to hear more about the word of God. There's an openness in this man. 
Well, you can imagine that the sorcerer, seeing that they're using him as a conduit to get to the proconsul, tries to disrupt the flow of this, tries to turn the proconsul away from what they're saying. It's, it's one of these mission moments that we find ourselves in constantly. These moments where we get to decide how we will respond. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit shows up in this very uh, uh, profound way and reveals what's happening in a very profound way. You imagine being here. Because he looks straight at the sorcerer, looks him in the eye and says, now I'm not recommending like this as a, as a, as a manual for how you do mission this week. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit if you're going to say something like this. You are a child of the devil! Yeah, bullet point one. Say you are a child of the devil. Um, and an enemy of everything that is right. And he begins to talk to the man's character. But then he moves on and he prophesies in that moment and says, the, the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Now, Paul has a bit of experience with divine blindness, right? He's, he's been there, done that. He knows what it's like. And immediately, it's like mist and darkness comes over the man's uh, eyes. And he's, he's unable to see. Quite a moment, eh? Like, quite astonishing. The Holy Spirit revealing the truth of the moment and empowering Paul to respond in the moment. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking, in truth, is this, is this really any different than Weirdly going outside because God told you to. Like, we're either listening and doing or we're not. Going outside so that someone can become a Christian. It's what it looks like. It's what it looked like here when the proconsul saw what had happened. He believed. He believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. When Galen went outside, she believed because of what she had seen of Jesus and Galen. This is, these are big moments. Sometimes they're really small moments, but they're big moments in that they can lead to these miraculous kinds of transformation. For us, it was, it was a small moment for us as well. A phone call. A phone call that changed everything. Well, we were waiting for, I don't know what we were waiting for. The phone rang. And we ended up having the opportunity to just simply share what I shared with you. These three prompting sledgehammer conversations, the the period of, of waiting and prayer and the season of peace to just wait. And that simple, open engagement uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to work a little more in us and discern that perhaps God truly was calling in a, in a surprising and really unexpected kind of way. But if the phone rings and we don't answer... If the Lord says, go inside and we stay on the couch watching TV, it's the Holy Spirit who, who, who reveals truth 
and leads us, invites us to speak and to act. It is the Holy Spirit who leads us into mission. I believe that right now the Holy Spirit is actually speaking, has been speaking throughout our whole time together. And you might not feel worthy. You might feel like we talked about last week, just too messy. You might feel like, "Ah, I don't have what it takes. There's too much else going on. But he is speaking to you and to me. And he is calling you and me by name. It's personal. It's personal. And you and I are being, are being set apart to be the person that, that God has called us to be. And you know what discipleship is, right? It's a whole lot of little no's and a whole lot of little yeses. That's what discipleship is. No to what I want and yes to what Jesus wants. Day by day, minute by minute, it's, it's the work of a lifetime. You are being set apart to be the person that God called you to be. And you are part of a, of, a, of a network of relationships with family and friends and neighbors and workmates and strangers and enemies. All of these people who God is also calling to. And he wants to use me. And he wants to use you. There's no holding back here from God's perspective. I like what Galen shared with us. I think it's good advice. He just wants us to be open. I was in one of the small groups this week, and and that was one of the things we actually talked about was, how can I just open my life at the beginning of the day? God, I'm open! Yeah, I'm open. No, no more or less complicated than that. <clears throat> Expectant. This is what this has been about. That we might generate a, a sense of expectation that God is working in the lives of people that we're connected to. He's calling us into these moments. This is, this is the evidence of it. The interviews that we've been doing, it's the evidence of it. What you're going to share over lunch I think there could be some really good discussion over lunch. Could be evidence of it. We're not just open, we're expectant. And maybe also, we might be learning to be curious. What would it look like if I said yes? What might happen if I just said yes? And maybe also it's about, for us, about trust. I'm going to share this with you because, like, you know, I want you to have all, all the tricks of the trade that I've learned. And, and I can tell you, I've got a foolproof way of how you trust, of how you learn to trust God. And people, it works for people as well. Never fails. It's 100% proven. The only way that you can ever learn to trust is to trust. There's actually no shortcut to trust. You just got to. Take the step. Discover that God is trustworthy. Being open. Expected. Curious. 
trusting. And look where that got us. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we're just so glad that you, uh, you want us, that you are, you are for us. You're not holding back from us. We do ask that these things that sometimes inhibit us from being set apart, would, would you help us to see them clearly and to say no to them? That we might more and more say yes to you, whether it's fear or busyness or different uh, competing convictions and commitments, whatever it is, God, would you just help us with our little no's that we might say more yeses to you? And in this area, I've been open to your spirit. We want to say yes. It's who we are as a church. We're Holy Spirit-led. Would you help us to live into our value? This week, we want, to, we want to just be saying yes more and more. Help us with the little yeses so that the big yeses can come as well. We receive our prayer, our, our plea, our hearts cry, God, that we would be able to live closer to you and you would help us to live closer to others because of your Spirit's work in us. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.